welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. ever hear anything in church that points out a sin in your life or a mistake in your life, how many of you know that you can repent? Be totally right with God within a few moments, right? Go on like you've never sinned, but you're not going to repent from something unless you know it's wrong. Sometimes in church, things will come to you and come to me as well, and we'll realize from the Word of God and by the Spirit of God, whoa, I've been in sin in that area. Well, the Lord's not saying that to make you feel bad. He's saying that to tell you you need to cry out for mercy because He'll give it to you if you repent. Mercy and truth meet together. You've got to acknowledge some things at times if you want mercy. Because if you don't acknowledge and pretend it didn't happen, you're not in truth. And if you're not in truth, you're not going to meet mercy. So everybody said amen. Amen. (laughs) Okay. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. For the last few weeks, we've been talking about things we can do as a church to open the doors so Jesus can manifest more miracles, more power, more healings in our services. The Bible says Jesus stands at the door and knocks. And in that verse of Scripture in Revelation, He's talking about standing at the door of church people's lives and knocking. So it's not... not He's not referring to Jesus standing at the door of a sinner and knocking and that sinner getting saved. I'm sure there's some relation to that. But the context of the verse, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open up, I'll come in unto him and sup with him, is in the context of Jesus talking to people like you and me. So when we're talking about greater glory in our services, greater power and manifestation in our church services, it's not about, oh God, manifest more of your glory. It's about, oh church, open up the door so you can see more glory. There's such a thing called setting the atmosphere for miracles and healings. Atmosphere has a lot to do with it being able to rain, spiritually speaking. And we've talked about a few things. We talked about how important it is to be in unity. When God sees His kids getting along with one another and walking in love toward one another, He approves of that atmosphere with powerful manifestations of His glory. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Then He starts saying, It's like the precious anointing oil on Aaron's head which ran down his beard even to the skirts of his garment. And on Mount Zion where the Lord commanded the blessing. Unity is amazing. This is why there's so many temptations to be fussing and fighting with one another. Satan knows if we ever get in unity, God's going to start commanding blessings and his works are going to be destroyed forever. The enemy's plans are going to be thwarted. Just like division and strife grieves the spirit and messes up a move of God, unity and love among the church messes up a move of the devil. Right? Now, how many of you know a person can live a certain way and do certain things and open the door to manifestations of demons? How many of you know it's possible to live a certain way, think a certain way, talk a certain way, watch certain things, be around certain things, do certain things, to where you can invite actual demon spirit manifestations in your life? Harassment of the devil because you open the door. Well, we don't want to do that stuff. We shut those doors, all that. We want manifestations of the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? Miracles, bright cloud, sound of a rushing mighty wind, right? Manifestations of the Spirit of God, translations, powers of the world to come, glory, victory for everybody. That's what we, so we need to find out 
how to open that door, right? And we need to also find out what grieves the Holy Spirit and stop that stuff and stay 100 miles away from that stuff. Right. Amen. Right? Disunity. Uh, strife. Discord. Irreverence. Unbelief. These things grieve the Spirit of God. But the things that open the door, we found out Jesus said, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. Woo! There's a key right there. If we believe, we'll see the glory of God. That includes miracles, healings, raisings from the dead, yeah. if necessary. I mean, the glory of God comes in many manifestations. It's God manifesting in the earth realm as much as human beings can handle it. Right? God told Moses, you can't see my full glory. Your body can't take it. You would die. So God said, I'll pass by you and let you see my back parts, and I'll put my hand here so I don't blow you away. Plus, I'll wedge you in a rock of a mountain so it doesn't fly out into the stratosphere or whatever. And God, he saw the backside of God with God's hand there with all these filters, and then his face shone like an angel so, so bright the children of Israel said, Moses, put a veil on your face. What is going on with you? Brighter than an LED light. But tonight, we're going to continue to talk about glory in the church, but I want to talk about it from a little different angle because a lot of what we're talking about has to do with what's going on in here, not just what we want to go on out here. How many think it's a good idea to be ready to go to church so that we're already on the level we need to be so we can see greater things happen in our church. Instead of going to church just to get pumped up because we had a terrible week and we're all down and out and all stressed out, great, come, you'll be refreshed. But we can live our lives in such a way where we're not so stressed, not so burned out, and not so beat up. Right. Let me tell you a number one reason why a lot of Christians are so stressed. You want to know what it is? Yeah. They're doing a ton of things the Lord never told them to do. <laughs> they're good, but they're not God. Right. And if you want to be more effective in life, you have to be more selective about doing His will. Carl and I were talking earlier today about levels of Christianity. There's, there's levels of Christianity. You can be the kind of Christian that says, well, i got a ticket to heaven, but I'm going to live like I want until I get there, and I'll slide into heaven like I slide into home plate and go, Phew, I made it. <laughs> or you can do 50% ah, God's will and 50% your will. You, know, you can talk to God about 20% of the things in your life and the 80% you just do what you want to do. Or you can be 100% sold out to God like very few have been. And you're like, Jesus, I do nothing unless I first talk to my Father about it. I acknowledge the Lord in all my ways and He makes my paths straight. There's levels of Christianity. I just feel like if you're here on a Wednesday night, you want to go higher. Yes. Well, here's good news. You ready? You can. Yes. Nobody's capped out at how high you can go in God. Here's an interesting thing, too, about it, is that God doesn't withdraw all blessings just because we're not going all the way with Him, but He can only bless us as far as He can. I'm not satisfied with, Son, I'll bless you as far as I can. I want the full blessing. Anybody want the full blessing? You're going to have to be a little different than most people on this planet, including most church people. But... Whew, it's glorious. So let's look here in Ephesians 5. So I'm going to read you this verse here, and we're going to talk a little bit about our own personal lives and how that's related to seeing more glory in the church when we come together. So, and when I say glory in the church, we're talking about miracles and powers and healings and people jumping out of wheelchairs, blind eyes opening, 
everything from A to Z that's good. So Ephesians 5 and verse 17. Don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So really, no matter how much natural knowledge a person accumulates, no matter how many degrees they have after their name, if they don't know the will of God and they're not interested in the will of God, they're dummies. <laughs> Unwise is another name for dummy, I guess. That's my translation. Wherefore, be you not a dummy. Turn to your neighbor and say, no, never mind. <laughs> Now notice he's saying, Paul says to the church, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What's the will of God? Very important question. And the Lord tells us, to, here's one of the things that the will of the Lord is. Are you ready? Verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, I wanted to break this verse down a little bit. So before we get it, now, do you understand, this is written to born-again Christians who had a Spirit-filled experience. Take my word for it, I've read it uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 19, this whole church in Ephesus started as a born-again, Spirit-filled church. Paul went to Ephesus, found certain disciples and said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said, we haven't even heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Paul said, what were you baptized? They said, John's baptism. Finally, Paul lays his hands on these disciples and these believers and it said they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. That was an outward sign that they were filled because when you're filled with something, there's an overflow. All right, so these, these believers in Ephesus were already born again. If you read the first chapter and the first verse, it's talking to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, every Christian in the church at Ephesus, he's writing to them. And he says to every Christian in the church at Ephesus who had a Spirit-filled experience, be filled with the Spirit. No, he's not writing to preachers only. He's not writing to pastors. He's writing to every believer who had a Spirit-filled experience and telling them, be filled with the Spirit. Now think about this. Why would you tell a believer who's had a Spirit-filled experience to be filled with the Spirit? Because it's not about a one-time experience. It's about maintaining something on a daily basis that only you have control over. You see, there's an initial filling with the Holy Spirit where you initially go from being born of the Spirit to being filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there's an overflow. The Bible evidence of, speak, the Bible evidence of being filled with the Spirit is speaking with tongues. There's an overflow. And I think a lot of people are hesitant to go this direction because they think that the Holy Spirit's going to make them do something. Holy Spirit never made anybody do anything. It's not going to start now. But when you yield, you'll find power and peace and comfort and strength and everything you've ever wanted and wondering why it wasn't happening. A lot of people are praying to God for help and His answer is, go to that church that teaches being filled with the Spirit. 
I'm going to say that again. There's a lot of people praying for help in their marriage, help in their physical body, help with their finances. And God's telling, answering their prayer by saying, go to that church that believes in being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues. Because the helper is the Holy Spirit. He's the agent of God in the earth. God the Father is at heaven. Jesus is geographically at his right hand. The agent of God in the earth is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus called him the helper. So really, it's kind of weird to pray for help and ignore the helper at the same time that God sent to you. I mean, if you really want the help of God, you're going to have to be interested in the helper he sent, not just praying to God in heaven. Yes, pray to God in heaven, but he's going to answer your prayer. He, he wants you fixed forever, not just temporarily. <laughs> he wants you involved with the helper every hour on the hour forevermore. Now... Dominic said a few moments ago during praise and worship that the Holy Spirit is God in the earth realm, and He is. And that's why the Bible says, greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. When you're born again, the Bible says there's a work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. You are born of the Spirit, and now you have a well of water in you springing up to everlasting life. The Bible talks about another experience that happens to and for born-again believers, and it's called being filled with the Holy Spirit. Different word, born of the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. And it has to do with rivers of living water coming out of your life into this earth realm and bringing supernatural help to people all around you. So, I wanted to just refresh you on something. Now, Kenneth Hagin is, is my father in the faith. He, he wrote a book called Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. He wrote it around 1987 when the Lord appeared to him like the seventh time in his lifetime. This was like the seventh visitation he had of the Lord. Kind of like Paul said, you know, Jesus appeared to Paul multiple times. Paul was just a man like you, actually. <laughs> he was like the worst sinner until he got saved. And God used him greatly, appeared to him multiple times. And he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And while Paul... Um, where was I going with that? Oh, okay. So Jesus appeared to Kenneth Hagin in 1987, took him up above the Tulsa Convention Center early in the morning, like 2, 3 in the morning, for a couple, 2, 3 hours, and, and gave him a vision of the future. Some future meetings they were about to have. Kenneth Hagin Ministries was about to have in the Tulsa Convention Center. And the Lord showed him that future meeting and began to narrate some things and to talk to Brother Hagin about telling the church certain things concerning some things that were off in the church. And one of the things the Lord talked about was um, worship. and Oh, he talked about a lot of things. But he, after this two and a half hour visitation, he wrote a book called Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. Goes in detail about the vision, the visitation. I encourage everybody to get it. It's an end time book. And uh, he talked about a lot of things in that book. And somebody asked him after that visitation, said, Brother Hagen, did Jesus, when he appeared to you in 1987, did he emphasize anything above all other things in that vision? He says emphatically, yes. Jesus emphasized one thing above everything else in that vision. And the whole book brings this out. He said, the Lord Jesus emphasized in that two and a half hour vision to me to tell to the church this, quote, Jesus said, quote, it's my plan under the new covenant that every believer be filled with the Spirit. End quote. Jesus said, the emphasis of this two and a half hour vision to the prophet of God to tell to the church of this generation that we're living in, the emphasis was this. In other words, if Jesus walked through the wall right now, he would, the emphasis to us most probably would be the same thing, because 1987 is only a few moments ago in the Lord's timing, is this. 
New Testament believers, it's my plan for you. What's, what's my will for your life? Want to know my will for your life? You want to know my will for your life? You want to know my will for your life? That you maintain a spirit-filled life. And that comes from this scripture right here. It says, don't be drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit of God. He's talking about filled with the Holy Spirit, capital S. This is Jesus' plan for every believer. What, what, what can't you overcome if you're filled with God? What sin can't you overcome if you're filled with God? What sickness can't you overcome if you're filled with God? What problem can't you overcome if you're filled with God? What demon can stay in your way if you're filled with God? What kind of depression would be in your life if you're filled with God? Remember this statement. We say it a lot in the church. Remember this statement. Many people have problems in their life because they have room for them. Amen. What if you're filled with the Spirit? There's a sign around you that says no vacancies, right? If you're filled with the Spirit, how can you have depression, be filled with depression at the same time? The answer to so many problems is not get the problem out, it's get filled with the good and flush the problem out and maintain a Spirit-filled life. Yes. Amen. <clears throat> you know, we say this too at the church quite frequently, but we have to go over it and over it because this is an emphasis the Lord wants us to get. You know, no, um, there's no, how do I want to put this? There's people in prison today who are believers because the morning of the crime, they, they chose not to be filled with the Spirit. Right. It's that simple. You, I'm sure you can dig around in the psyche and get all intricate about why he did this or what their past was. But when it comes right down to it, anybody who's going to commit a crime at that moment and that day, they're not filled with the Spirit. What if you were filled with the Spirit? Well, number one, you wouldn't even want to fall for the, the temptation. But number two, you'd have power to overcome it. So, I want to talk about some enemies to you and me maintaining a Spirit-filled life. You're going to have to make room for this because your already overbooked schedule isn't going to allow for this. You don't have to do this to go to heaven. Just, you just need to be born of the Spirit to go to heaven. But there's a degree of power that's lacking in the church and we, we, the world should be running to us for answers because of all the power that's exhibited in and through our lives. Did you know there's many things in the New Testament you can't do unless you're filled with the Spirit? Did you know that? A lot of the New Testament is written to Spirit-filled Christians. And a lot of people who aren't Spirit-filled try to do those things. They fall flat on their face. They give up and say, oh, that's not for me. That's just for preachers. Oh, that was just for them 2,000 years ago. No, it's for those that are filled with the Spirit. Right. It's for people that are filled with the Spirit. Jesus needed to be filled with the Spirit to do what the Father told Him to do. That's right. Yeah. Right? Interesting. I mean, it's like there's no, no power in the Lord's ministry until the Holy Spirit comes on Him and He's full of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Did you know you can be a child of God all your life and never be filled with the Spirit? Yeah. Jesus was a child of God till 30 years old and was never filled with the Spirit until 30. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about three lies. Because this is all in the number one point, okay? Number one enemy to you and me maintaining a Spirit-filled life. You want to know what that number one enemy is? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Okay, number one enemy. It's actually, it, it, it comes in the form of a lie. All right, but it's broken down into three things. So I'm going to just say lies is the number one thing that is coming against you being filled with the Spirit. Lies, and I'm going to tell you what those three li four lies are. All right, so 
The enemy to you and me maintaining a spirit-filled life has to do with four lies. And then there's a second point we'll get into if we have time. And the number one lie is this. If you're a Christian, you're already filled. That's a lie. And it's keeping a ton of people away from a true, genuine, spirit-filled experience because they think they're already filled just because they're saved. Do y'all realize that there's a difference between being born of the Spirit, saved, and filled with the Spirit, power? Big difference. And if you think you're filled with the Spirit just because you're an excited Christian, you're deceived. You, you are saved. I mean, if you confess Jesus as Lord, you're saved. But that doesn't mean you're filled. Now, I feel like I'm going to slow down just a little bit here because this is so vitally important. Um, let me tell you another really big problem. Can I tell you a really big problem in the church? People being okay with not being filled with the Spirit. That's a problem, man. Because if we're okay without being filled with the Spirit, why, why, why do what we're going to talk about tonight to, be, to maintain a Spirit-filled life? And I think, I just, I guess there's a lot of opposition to this in the realm of the Spirit. There's a lot of demon opposition, a lot of wrong thoughts, wrong feelings are going to come your way. And this, this one lie here, if you can overcome this, you're, you're doing good. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you're filled. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, you can't even be filled until after you're saved. You have to have a new wineskin to hold the new wine. Right? You can't be filled with the Spirit until you're born again. Jesus said the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit because the world sees Him not and doesn't know Him. But you need to realize that you are not filled with the Spirit just because you're saved and going to heaven. That doesn't mean you're filled with the Spirit. Got to acknowledge this if you want to get that hunger going for a Spirit-filled life. Number two, lie, and again, this is all in that number one enemy, is being filled with the Spirit's not for today. Well, if the commands to do things that only a Spirit-filled Christian can do are for today, then the power's got to be for today, too. Or that would be very frustrating and mean of the Lord to tell us to do something that you can't do without the power of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people have given up on the miraculous, divine healing, because they tried it without being Spirit-filled and it didn't work, so they say, well, it must not be for today. You're wrong. It is for today. But you can't have some of these things without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so you have to realize that that's a lie, that it's not for today. It's totally for today. Jesus said He'll be with you forever. He said, this promise is unto you, to your children, to all that are far off. Right? Except when it gets to 2021 and Grand Junction. No, this promise of being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues, and walking in the power of God is for you, is for your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And that word call means invited, and we're all invited. Number three lie under this number one enemy is it's kind of subtle, but the devil works really hard behind the scenes to make this happen so you don't recognize it's his opposition. Number three uh, lie in this number one enemy is that being filled with the Spirit is just not that important. Pastor, teach something else. There's more exciting things in the Bible. I've heard enough about being filled with the Spirit. It's just not that important, Pastor. I'm not a, I'm not a pastor like you. I'm not a preacher like you. I don't need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's a lie. Right. 
You, no, the lie is you may you, you you may not be a pastor, but the lie is every believer needs to be filled with the Spirit. Yes. Every believer needs to maintain a Spirit-filled life. Are you following me, church? You've got to maintain. See, when the when the Lord told Brother Hagen that, I thought I know that. Yeah, I got that. Jesus, great. Let him start reading on. This Lord said, "You don't know that at all. Like you need to know it. You think you think having an experience three weeks ago and speaking in tongues two days ago means you're spirit filled today." He said, "This is something you maintain on a daily basis, which has a lot to do with the first things you do in the day, what you do the night before, so you're ready for the next day." I mean, you got to watch out because before you know it, you'll be jumping out of bed doing things, and you won't be spirit filled. And a problem will come your way. You can't overcome it. It's all because you weren't filled in the morning. That's right. I mean, can I, can I, if you can be filled with God, how cool would that be? How cool would that be to be filled with God? Number one, no room for cancer, depression, fear, disease. And if you have some of those problems right now, being filled with the Spirit will get the flushing out process going. Amen. I mean, you can't be filled with God and these other things remain very long. So many people's answer is be filled. You know, a lot of people aren't bad. They're just empty. They keep falling for the sins. They keep falling for the temptations. And it's not that they're bad. It's just that they're weak. They're empty. Are you following me? The devil wants you to say, yo, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. And you know what the answer for you is? The answer for you is, oh, you just need to repent, you sinner. You just need to repent, you sinner. Well, what do you need to repent from? Yielding to lust or not being filled with the Spirit to where you don't even want that thing anymore? Right. Well, where's the real thing you need to repent from? Now, if you notice this scripture in Ephesians 5.18, it's written to believers. I don't know why we all thought this was optional. Or, well, if I have time, if it's convenient and I'm not real busy, I'll get up in the morning and do those things that will help me to maintain a spirit-filled life. I don't know where we got that from. It's like, I don't see any difference between be filled with the Spirit and don't kill. Same God's talking. There's not a God of the Old Testament and a God of the New. Same God, right? The same God that said, don't lie, said be filled. Right. Why do we think be filled is not that important, but don't lie is really important. Right. It's all very important. And it's not like the Lord's mad. He's not mad at us right now. He loves us. But He's trying to get us to see something. Maintaining a Holy Spirit-filled life is the answer to all life's problems. Amen. You know... It's a lot easier to be led by the Holy Spirit when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. Interesting. When you're filled with the Spirit, it's easier to be led of the Spirit. And if you're led of the Spirit, oh my goodness. Oh, ho, 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 ho. How many know the Holy Spirit knows where accidents are going to happen? He'll lead you away from them. He's never led anybody into a tragedy. Are you listening? Right. You, may, you may be led in some tough spots, but that's just to develop your character. You'll come out of that with flying colors. But how many of you know that if a bomb was going to go off in a certain place and you're being led by the Spirit, you'll know not to go to that certain place? Yeah. And this is why you have to have a fresh walk with God every day because when you get in the routine of your life and the habits of your schedule, if you're not careful, you'll just start doing things habitually and not even thinking about it. You just The decisions will be automatic instead of saying, you know, Lord, this is a brand new day. I got a routine. You know what it is. Any adjustments in that routine today, Lord? Do you want me to go to work a different route today? 
Do you want me to do something a little different today? This is... You, it's so important to not get in these ruts of habits that we just do this because we do it. We just do it. I brought the ticket, so I guess I better go because it was $400 on this airplane. You better still pray. Better to pray before you buy the ticket, maybe, but still pray after you buy the ticket. Right. I mean, no, it's, well, I got a ticket. I have to go. That's how people die. Yeah. Right. You don't have to do anything. Well, I, I just think about it, right? 9-11. People are going, to, well, I just got to go to work. I got to go to work. They go to work. Boom, airplanes hit the building. You didn't have to go that day. Yeah. I said, you didn't have to go that day. Right. Yeah. Well, I got to go. I got to go. I'm in a hurry. I got to hurry. You got to watch out about being in a hurry. Being in a hurry is how a lot of accidents happen. Because you get beyond the voice of the Lord. You get so far ahead of Him, you can't hear Him. The Bible says, he that's hasty with his feet sins. People are always rushing to and fro. They miss it. A lot of times they get hurt. Sometimes they die. Sometimes you just need to slow down and say, you know what? I'm not in a hurry. There's been times, I know the Lord has directed us. I know me personally. I think Carl and I at the same time, we're, we're getting ready to go somewhere. We're kind of in a hurry. Just stop. Just stop. And the clock's saying, hurry, 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 hurry. Stop. And there's been times I've just stopped and for like, I don't know, 30 seconds, I just walked the floor and prayed in the Spirit. And the clock saying, go, 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 you're going to be late, you're going to be late, you're going to violate integrity, you're going to be late. I just pray for 30 seconds or so, and then I slowly walk out the house, get in my car and leave and get to my destination. And you say, Pastor, what happened? Nothing. Right. Nothing can be really good. Right. No accident. No crazy person with a gun. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, 30 seconds, leaving a house 30 seconds later than you planned on could be the difference between you missing somebody who runs a stop sign or not. You know, the more filled with the Holy Spirit we are, the more keen we're going to be to His promptings and direction. You know, you could call it a premonition. You could call it an intuition. I like to call it an inward witness because that's what the Bible calls it. But it's a spiritual knowing on the inside, way deeper than feelings, down in the knowing area, down in the, the knowing area of life, that the Holy Spirit's trying to get our attention all the time. Huh? I mean, He will lead you to do something in the natural looks like crazy to even do it. Why do that? That looks stupid. And find out later, you just missed a death situation because of yielding to something that looked unreasonable. Well, it just looks unreasonable. Why do that? Well, if you ask too many questions and the Lord's trying to get you to do something, you may find out why. <laughs> the wrong way. How, how many would rather look at something that you missed than have to have gone through it and realize what it was? Well... Being filled will help you be led. Now, I wanted to, before we close here, let me, let me say this. Okay, number one under, under lies is you're already filled because you, you're born again, which is not true. There's a separate experience called be filled. Number two, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not for today. That's a lie. It's for today. Number three, lie is it's not that important. It's very important if you want to live in victory and help others till you get to heaven. Number four, lie is that's only for preachers. And I know I kind of hit on that, but being filled with the Holy Spirit is not only for preachers. It's for everybody. How many are you glad for that? Yes. That means you get to walk in power and victory too, not just the preacher. So that's all under number one, all right? So we have a little bit of time, so let me just get to this last one real quick. A number one reason, or excuse me, number one enemy to maintaining a spirit-filled life is these lies, all right? But let's say you know all these are lies now. You got that, okay. 
I'm not already filled if I'm born again. I need that separate experience. It is for today. It is very important. It's not only for preachers. Okay, you got all that down. What's another enemy if you got all that down? Everybody say midweek meet. <laughs> Are you ready for this? Another enemy to you and I maintaining a spirit-filled life is disobedience. Put the scripture back on the screen. Did you ever think that being filled with the Spirit was obedience? And not being filled with the Spirit is disobedience. That's good. I mean, he's telling us something to do here. What if we don't do it and we know how to do it and we're, we've overcome all the lies? What's the next thing on the list? Well, it would be disobedience. Now, in closing, let me just show you a couple things here. Now, how many are glad you can repent for any sin? Right? And, and understand this. The Lord's not going to tell you to do something and not tell you how to do it. There is a way to maintain a spirit-filled life every day of your life. We've thought this kind of life is just for pastor. You know, because he's got to do weddings. He's got to do funerals. He's got to go visit the sick. He's got to preach multiple sermons every week. He's got to counsel people during the day. He needs to be filled with the Spirit. Well, it didn't say pastors. He's writing to all saints in Ephesus. He's writing to the faithful in Christ Jesus. He's writing to every believer in Ephesus. That would like to be every believer in Grand Junction. And this was the emphasis of the vision that Brother Hagin had of the Lord in 1987. My plan under the new covenant, Jesus said, is for every believer to be filled with the Spirit. Well, no, duh. If you're filled with the Spirit, you have power. Right? You have a victory. You have... So I think it's interesting. So put it back on the screen and notice here in closing. Don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Just leave it on the screen there for a while right now while we talk about this. So I was a little intrigued to see this because I thought, why bring up the don't be drunk with wine part? Why not just say be filled with the Spirit? Well, he's, he's relating it to something. All right. A lot of people turn to alcohol to get what the Spirit of God can only give. That's right. And when you... So, so let me just say right up front, okay? Because I, I, don't, I don't think it's that beneficial to just preach against people's sins all the time. I think we should just walk in the power of God, then they'll want to follow us and do what we do anyway, right? Yeah. Um, and so I'm not preaching against alcohol, I'm not preaching against sin, but I am going to say this. The number one thing I feel as a pastor that our church and other churches need to know about this whole alcohol thing and being filled with the Spirit and why it's all in the same verse is this. My word to people concerning wine and alcoholic beverages is this. There's something way better. Way better. Way, way, way better. Are you listening to me? There's something way better. And this scripture says, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess. Now the original, the Young's literal translation says, which is, it says, don't be drunk with wine which is dissoluteness. Okay? I looked up that word and it means warped and degrading. And, and I thought about it, because we think of degrading, we think, oh, that's just dirty and awful. No, no, he's not saying that. It, it's, it's a warped thought to think that you're going to turn to wine instead of the Holy Ghost for relief. 
that's a degrading. There's a higher way. Right. There's a better way. It's not like you're degrading. It's just a degrading thought. Why would you want the lesser when you could get the best? Right. You're, you're going down. You're degrading. You're settling for something way less than what's available. Right. Can you please keep it on the screen? Let's keep it up there for a while. So it means the word... Uh, excess is dissoluteness and it means warped or degrading. So let me just read you a couple thoughts on that and I'll let you go and this will make you really happy. <laughs> it may not, but it'll help you. People are trying to get from alcohol what only being with this, filled with the Spirit can give them. Now, I'm just going to say right up front, okay? I'm just going to... You need something to get through this life. And if you're not going to turn to the Holy Spirit, you might need a glass of wine now and then. <laughs> I don't know. This life is tough. But what the Spirit of God's saying here is He's got the way way better. Way better. Everybody say, way better. Way better. You're going to need something. You don't want to go through life sober, right? <laughs> but you don't want to turn to the cheap junk. You want to get filled with the Spirit. Because you can get high on God. Amen. He is the most high. Oh, yeah. You ever had any of the Gospels? Oh, yeah. They're really good. <laughs> he daily loadeth us, right? With benefits. <laughs> Come on, man. You get high on God. We're going to get high on God with Keith, um, Keith Moore coming in and Mark Boyer and, and services in our own church. We're going to get high on God, man. We should be so high on God. People want to know, what do you want? You got any more? Yeah, we got some more. Come to Faith High Church and we'll inject you. <laughs> Come on, man. We should be so high on God. People want to know what we're on. That's good. That's good. Well, what, are you, what are you doing? You'd like to know, wouldn't you? See, we're hope dealers, right? So, listen to this. To seek relief from alcohol is degrading. It's going low for something cheap when you could have something really good. Um, and so, if I had time, oh my goodness. If I could tell you what this woman and I got from turning to the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, versus turning to alcohol like many have done. If I can tell you, it would take me hours to tell you what that's done for us. What we've gotten through. What we've overcame. Meritly. Ministry. With our kids. If we would have turned to wine and alcohol when those challenges came, our marriage way, or our ministry's way, or our children's way, we probably wouldn't be here right now. Because oh, no. wine could not give us what we got. That's right. Many people do not make it through what we've gone through. Many. I'm talking many. Right. And if I was detailed with you, you would go, wow, how'd you make it through? Answer, not with alcohol. Amen. We didn't turn to alcohol. We turned to the Spirit of God. We kept praying in tongues. We kept getting filled up on the Word. We kept going to church. When the greatest crisis in our life hit, we wouldn't even think about missing church. That's when we should be there the most. Right. Amen. That's good. And then I, I wrote this down. Because I know from personal experience, many who did turn to wine for their comfort and relief, they're divorced today, their kids are in trouble today, they're hurting today, because they turned to something that wasn't powerful enough to get them through it. And now there's strife in the family, there's, there's meanness, there's discord, there's children that are bouncing back and forth. 
you got to watch out about who and what you turn to when the crisis of life comes because some things won't get you through it, but the Holy Spirit will always get you through it. Amen. Why don't you stand up, church? Let's go ahead and stand up before I go any further here. Many people we know who turned to, to wine did not make it. I am... Um, it's so interesting to me. It seems like many Christians today are living like Old Testament saints. I don't know if you know what I mean by that. Um, but pastor, it talks a lot about them drinking wine in the Old Testament. Well, they didn't have the Holy Ghost. I said they didn't have the Holy Ghost. They couldn't be filled with the Spirit. That couldn't happen until Jesus rose from the dead. You can't compare yourself to the Old Testament. They didn't have even close to what you have. Hmm? Are you listening to me? They didn't have even close to what we have today. Well, Jesus made wine for those people at that wedding. They didn't have the Holy Ghost. We do. And the Holy Spirit is called the new wine. So really, again, it's not... It's not Oh, this is a sin. This is a sin. It's just there's something so much. But now getting drunk's a sin. And you need to repent and the Lord will forgive you. Just he'll get filled with the Spirit so you don't want that so much anymore. But um, <laughs> praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Oh, we worship. Pray this with me, church, before we receive communion. Say this, Jesus, Jesus expound to me, expound me what, it means what it means to maintain a Spirit-filled life. A spirit life. Show, me Show me adjustments I need to make, need to, make to maintain a Spirit-filled life. Spirit Thank you for doing it, Lord. Amen. Let me tell you just real quick, how you start your day tomorrow will have a lot to do if, if you're maintaining a spirit-filled life or not. I encourage you. Um, I know there's things you have to do in the morning. I know there's things before you leave the house you have to do, but make sure you make room for some word. A preacher or a teacher that really stirs your spirit. Go to our archives if this preacher stirs you up. Listen to at least 10, 15, whatever. How much time? Get stirred up in the morning by hearing an anointed sermon, some rhema word. Yeah. Number two, read your chapter. It only takes about five to ten minutes if you read it slow and out loud. That's right. Read your chapter Monday through Friday with the church. Our bookmarks are out there in the information booth. You can get one. Pray in tongues for a while while you're getting ready or while you're worshiping the Lord and reading your chapters. Pray. All right. And then take some word breaks throughout the day if you can. You know, like you got lunch. You might want to just, if you're by yourself, you can listen to the New Testament on tape or listen to that same preacher again. Stay filled with the word. Stay filled with the spirit. Stay, stay worshiping God in other tongues. And you'll find yourself beginning to maintain a spirit. Felt You'll be wiser in your decisions. You'll miss things that, that would maybe be problems. You, you, you'll, you'll just have the cutting edge advantage in life. Yes. These are very simple things you can do. Start tomorrow. Decide tonight what sermon you're going to listen to in the morning while you're shaving or taking a shower. I set my iPhone in the shower. I got a glass wall there and I just set it there at a little angle and it just, just blasts it. Stay stirred up about the things of God. You want to stay filled with the Holy Ghost. You're going to have to make room for 
doing what it takes to live a spirit-filled life. Because it won't fit in our already overbooked schedule. You have to delete some things, see what's not authorized to the Lord, get rid of it, and make room for these things. This should be, this should be a flow. This should be easy. But if you're busy doing a bunch of other things, it'll be hard. Just ask yourself, what's, what's not that important? So Carla, if you want to get over there, uh, go ahead and remain standing just for a minute, church. We're going to receive communion. And don't forget to serve Lou up there on the stage, whoever's going to do that. There you go, Darren, go serve the people. There you go, brother, go serve the people. Thank you so much. Let's all wait till we all have the elements before we eat and drink. We'll do that when I pray, pray our prayer. I'll let you know when that is. Father, we thank you. Oh, Jesus. Lord, we just came through what we call Memorial Day weekend, but above it all, Lord, we remember what you did for us. We thank you for the men and women that have given their lives for our freedom. But Jesus, we thank you, oh, the captain of our salvation, for giving your life so we can live. Father, we thank you for everything that your Son, our Lord Jesus, did for us. We slow down, we bring to our remembrance what he said on the night he was betrayed, what he did the day after. Oh, Lord, we worship you. And so, Lord, we just right now focus on what you did for us with your body, with your soul, with your spirit. You gave it all. Father, thank you for the word that tells us what happened. Jesus, on the night you were betrayed, you took bread. You broke it and you gave it to your disciples. And you spoke and taught them. And you said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. <clears throat> Do this in remembrance of me. Well, Lord, right now we remember that your body was severely broken in the court of Pontius Pilate when you were pierced on the cross so that our bodies could be free from COVID, cancer, diabetes, tumors, disease. Lord, we receive what you did for us. Your body was broken so our bodies could be healed, healthy, and made whole. And we thank you, Lord, that that's our new reality. And so, Lord, as a family, we take this bread. And as we begin to eat this bread, we remember your body was broken for us. And we believe that by your gashes, we were healed. Let's eat, church, with these things in mind. say this church father thank you for redeeming me from coronavirus and all viruses that hurt and harm jesus thank you for allowing your body to be whipped and broken so my body could be mended and healed i call my body healed body i call you healed inside and out in Jesus name stomach and heart liver and brain blood and pancreas kidneys thyroid every part of my body I call you healed by the stripes of Jesus and now Lord on the night you were betrayed you took the cup 
you lifted it up and you blessed it and you said this cup is the New Testament in my blood shed for many for the remission of sins and you said drink it drink all of it and do this in remembrance of me well Lord as we get ready to drink we remind ourselves that we are redeemed from every disease, every curse. We're redeemed from having to go to hell. We're redeemed from all iniquity. We're delivered from the powers of darkness by your shed blood. We are free. And we declare, we declare our independence. We are free by the blood of Jesus. We are free by the blood of Christ. From every pain and disease and everything that Satan and sin brought into this world, we declare we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Our sins are washed away with guilt and shame. And we thank you, Father, for full redemption and freedom. Let's keep these things in mind, church, and let's drink. Thank you. Let's lift our hands. Thank you, Lord. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Say this with me. From this point forward, I'm going to walk by faith that these things are true. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory, glory. Thank you, everybody, for coming tonight. This is absolutely wonderful. So glad you're here. Love it very much. Um, did you want to say something? Were you wanting to say something? No, you're just waving? Praising God? Good. Good. Well, um, we are having a prayer meeting on Saturday night in the church at 5 o'clock till 6 o'clock right here in the auditorium. So if you can make that prayer meeting, that would be great. We wanted to really charge the atmosphere for our Sunday morning services and pray for some things. So we'll see you then if you can. If not, we'll see you Sunday. Have a great day. Great week. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the donate tab. 